Metricast. I'm going to let you cry. I'm going to let you feel the guilt and the shame and the blame. And I'm going to let you feel all of it. But I will never leave you. And I will always love you. And I will always come back to you. And I will always be there for you. What I really encourage people lovingly to do is to say, good for you. You stepped in. You opened your heart. You took the risk to do the number one thing you were put to do on this earth, to love. Let yourself risk that. How about what you did well? How do we use that strength? How do we leverage that narrative? Sorry, it went south. You will be more loving for it if you allow the pain to flow through all of the shadow that comes with it. Allow it because only then can you integrate it into love. And guess what? You will not only love brighter, you will choose better. Welcome, beautiful beings, to season two of the Cosmic Love Antenna podcast with your host, Harrison Ma. This podcast sets the loving intention of creating the mystical space needed to pull back the layers restricting health, alignment, and love. Now let's walk you home to your cosmic spiritual heart space. Good evening, morning, afternoon, beautiful beings. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to another spiritual loving conversation here on the Cosmic Love Antenna with your host Harrison and a beautiful friend, guest, and loving heart today to talk about a topic that is deep spiritual and all of the mystical loving components that you look for on this in this on this program on this show and a little bit extra on top but before we get into that i want to remind everyone that's tuning in either live on facebook linkedin youtube or returning on the podcast if you get a bit of value out of this conversation today please share it far and wide with a friend a family member a lover when you do that it helps the algorithm it helps the show expand it also helps me know what you want more of Right. So when you share it, when you leave your feedback on Apple and Spotify, it helps me construct and tune into topics that are going to light you up. So when you do that, we all build together. I'd also recommend if you're watching live here today on Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn, you can leave your comments as we flow throughout this chat and we'll add in your beautiful voice into the conversation if anything bubbles up. Speaking of that conversation, what are we talking about today? So today's chat is about all things. We're going to start talking about heartbreak and how to move through that. And then we're going to shift into spiritual partnership and what that has to do with not just heartbreak, but what is the importance of spiritual partnership? How do we create it in our life? What is the difference between maybe a non-spiritual partnership and a spiritual partnership and everything in between? And to help me do that today, I have my beautiful friend, Claudia Delano, back on the show to dive into the in-betweens between all of this. Claudia is a marriage and family therapist. She's a speaker, a writer, a meditation guide, but most of all, she is a big, mystical, powerful, loving heart. And today I get to love with that heart together with her. Claudia, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm always honored to get to share any time and space with you and talk about this really important topic because it is 
a rite of passage in our lifetime to deal with our heartbreak. And um, as you talk to your viewers about building through their feedback, I think such a parallel to building ourselves and our love lives through uh, our heartbreak and our spiritual connection to our partners. So I'm ready for you. I can I can feel that readiness, my friend. And I think this is one of the reasons that we're friends, where we're not just colleagues, we're not just you know, deep connections that I resonate with your heart because you hold that spiritual perspective so deeply. And I guess where I want to start here, start this conversation today is really my intention for doing this conversation to begin with. I these these topics of these shows, they they move through me every week, right? That's normal. But today's chat was a bit bit more, how should I say, a bit more driven by my own desire to question feelings, question emotions, question both these topics, heartbreak and spiritual partnership. And in my life this week, I had a significant uh, dynamic in my life shift in an unexpected way. And in that shifting, a lot of old sadness, old judgment and anger and abandonment wounds and rejection wounds came up. And I was questioning myself in many ways and questioning my choices, questioning many aspects of self. So with that intention in mind, I want to get straight into it, my friend. And I will just throw this out there for people listening, uh, people tuning in. We are going to be referencing a resource today, and it is a book called Spiritual Partnership by Gary Zukov. Did I pronounce his last name right? Yeah, you can see it. You have to unmute on your side, Claudia. Um, yeah, you can see it. <laughs> you can see it a bit blurry. But yeah, that's the resource, Gary Zukov. So we'll be referencing that. And uh, we'll come back to it and I'll, I'll point it out. I'd highly recommend people tuning in, read the book. So, Claudia, let's start this chat. Let me ask you a very sort of straight into the depths question. When someone moves through heartbreak in their intimate relationships, what is the first step that we must take? Wow. That's a really big question. Um, you know, I think that like all grief, the the journey is very individual. We all have initial reactions that are shaped by our life experience and our ability to allow ourselves to feel in that life experience. So somebody might turn right around and immediately tune out, right? Maybe they'll drink, maybe they'll party, maybe they'll start going out. Someone else might really withdraw and start pulling in in order to cope with those feelings. I think that the most important piece is the one that hurts the most and feeds us the most. And it's simply to mm. allow all of the feelings to literally flood our heart mm. and our system because they are an indication of how willing 
and how ready we were to open up our hearts and not love another, simply love. Yeah. So that first step of feeling all the feelings, I think everyone tuning in, myself included, will have some understanding around, right? And I want to welcome Sarah, Josephine, Darlene in the Facebook chat. I see all your beautiful love already coming in. I think we can all relate to that, the feeling all the feelings. And it, what it brings to mind, Claudia, and this is another question I want to ask you, is, is heartbreak the right word? Because when I think of heartbreak, I go straight to broken, right? I think I'm broken. This thing that's happened, this choice that either I have made or the other person has made that has instigated, stimulated these feelings to move through me, in my case, sadness, anger, judgment, rejection, abandonment. I'm now, based off what we've said, I am broken. I am heartbroken. So my next question for you, Claudia, here to bounce off is, is it correct to say heartbroken? Or is there another way that we could describe it? I love this question. It's profound. Language is so embedded in our culture and it drives a storyline that we attach to without even knowing. So it already begins to define our experience before we've allowed ourselves to step into that experience. And yet we need words. So how do we encapsulate that? And I say two two things to this. Are we heartbroken? Do we experience heartbreak? Well, in theory, the heart is always whole and full. Mm. And therefore, on some level, the layers are opening up and we're feeling more of it. Yeah. So, so in theory, um, it's it's are we describing the feeling of broken versus the reality of broken? And that's a, a, a really important distinction. The second part of that is that I don't believe our heart chooses. I think our heart is an intuitive mm. knower. It is, it is fate. It is destiny. It is all of the cosmos already written in. And we are accessing that when we feel heartbroken. Mm. Hold that thought on you don't think our heart chooses. And I, I assume you also, that could extrapolate out to the partners that come into our lives, correct? You don't think our heart chooses those partners, correct? Would you agree with that? Mm, I do think um, the heart definitely chooses over the mind. Yeah. Um, but but I'm, I'm saying that I don't think the heart chooses to be broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a question on soulmates, but I'll pause it. I'll come back to that later. Can we talk about spiritual partnership? But I guess what I want to add to that, that broken aspect here for people tuning in is I think the feeling that we're tuning into of brokenness is fear, right? Is aspects inside of us that need to be loved that are still in fear. And in my experience, I'll just speak from my own experience over the last few days. 
each of those aspects that felt rejected, felt abandoned, felt sad, felt angry. When you peel away everything, the thing that they all have in common is fear. So a process of this moving through this broken, I'm going to use my fingers from now on, this broken heartedness, I think it's starting to resolve all of that fear by adding in more love, but not just love in the direction of maybe the partner that instigated this whole process, but specifically love for yourself. Would you agree with that, Gloria? I think a lot of times um, it can be driven by fear, but fear of what? And you named a few of those like rejection and anger and sadness and all of those, those shadow sides. However, I think that's true. And, and at the same time, um, I think that our human journey is to experience through feeling. Mm. Therefore, therefore, this is an aspect of stepping into the human embodiment. Mm. So it might not be fear for someone. It might be stepping deeper into the layer of the aliveness of this journey here of the heart. Mm. So I've experienced heartache in my life and, and sometimes it's not fear. Sometimes it's pure allowance of the sadness or of how deeply I loved. Mm. Beautiful segue here to my next question. That was beautiful, by the way, Claudia. Thank you for highlighting that. I just want to welcome Helen and Maggie into the Facebook Live. Again, if you're watching this live on any of the platforms, but specifically Facebook, if anything comes up or questions that you want to share, please drop it, drop it in. Darlene says, based off what you're saying, Claudia, just going through a heartbreak, it's difficult. I'm doing the hardest thing, bringing awareness. When it happens, I become aware. It hurts a lot, but my awareness is helping me move forward. And it's exactly what we're saying, right? So let's shift into how deeply what you just said about an awareness of how deeply we loved. And I want to just share here some of my experience. A lot of my own personal heartbreak has come from creating stories that were not true. And what I mean by this, I'll give the example of how much I love. I, I shared this with you this week, Claudia. I often get caught in the story, especially in regards when I'm in a partnership with someone or, or a dynamic with someone, because I love so deeply. I get stuck in the story of, oh, now because I've opened my heart to this layer of deepness, then that must mean they're there also. Or that must mean that we're at the same level and we're stepping forward together. And I unconsciously create this story and create, and this is the key word here, key words, expectation and attachment around that story being fulfilled. So my question for you, Claudia, and you can use me as an example, how do we overcome in this heartbreak process these stories that we've created and the unconscious attachment and expectation that we've placed on them? Okay, so this is a hard one. <laughs> this is a hard one because 
You know, theoretically, in psychology, we say that you choose unconsciously. So you choose without awareness that person that you are hoping is going to really mirror healing whatever wound you've chosen from. And that's one theory. I I, I can tell you from years of experience uh, counseling that there's an aspect of truth to that. But again, to your point, how much have we bought into that theoretical narrative in order to see what comes back? And as you know, I'm one to poke holes um, in those in those theories so that we can keep learning from the deepest parts of ourselves so that those attachments that you describe begin to fall apart, mm. begin to dismantle, and we open up our evolution of mm. humanity. Mm. So, so to your to your point, um, clarify for me because I'm losing my thought here. No, you're, I think you're highlighting it beautifully. So it, uh, if I was to add to what you're saying, it sounds like there needs to be some work done on those attachments, on those expectations and asking ourselves as an example, where did they first begin, right? Is there an inner child link here, right? Is there a parental lesson link here? Is there, so it's, you know, um, this was yeah. this is how I would answer that same question if it was mirrored back to me. But I think it's, you know, maybe releasing judgment and pressure on ourselves that we got something wrong to begin with. So that's so thank you for for helping me to connect that as I go off on a tangent. Um, absolutely, there is this idea that we've chosen from a broken place because of the wound. Mm. We've chosen from a broken place. Therefore, there must be something that we need to fix and work on in ourselves. Theoretically, psychology supports that. Oftentimes, it doesn't hurt to see it from that perspective because we can say, how must I continue to grow? And that's going to lead into our conversation about spiritual partnership. I do think that our personal growth helps us choose differently. That's not to say I chose wrong. Mm. We can use the spiritual interpretation and say, I chose the lesson that I needed. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. that's another yeah. theory. Yeah. Or, or we can say karmically, this is not how I would have chosen. And yet this was in my path. There's so many rationalizations and explanations. What I really encourage people lovingly to do is to say, good for you. You stepped in. You opened your heart. You took the risk to do the number one thing you were put to do on this earth, to love mm. Let yourself, risk that. How about what you did well? How do we use that strength? How do we leverage that narrative? Sorry, it went south. You will be more loving for it if you allow the pain to flow through all of the shadow that comes with it. Allow it because only then can you integrate it into love. And guess what? You will not only love brighter, you will choose better. Let's let that sit for a second. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful, Claudia. We could um, end the chat right there, but we're going to go much deeper. But that was that was profound. And I just want to pull out what you said. You know, you, you're doing 
what you came here to do, right? And it's, it's to love in all the ways, right? You're here, as I often say on the show, for people tuning in that have listened to my conversations for any amount of time, you know I am a big proponent of love experiencing love, right? That to take away all the layers and your beautiful essence, the expression that you are, the uniqueness that you are, is here to work out what is that unique way that you love, right? And you can only work it out, as Claudia is saying, by taking those risks, taking those 3D human from a human level, messy, maybe messy human risks, but that bring those lessons, which but we're doing so well on the, with this flow already, Claudia. This, this flows into spiritual partnerships now. And this is why I wanted to start with heartbreak because it, it is the pain that starts to awaken the deeper truth of everything. So where I'd like to start with this is two quotes from that resource they shared at the start of the chat, the book, again, Spiritual Partnerships by Gary Zukov. And he has two definitions here I want to define a spiritual partnership and then, and then I'd love for you to add anything on top of it, Claudia. The two definitions I have for a spiritual partnership is spiritual partners uh, are gardeners in adjoining plots. So you could see two gardeners that are building their own beautiful garden, but they're connected in adjoining plots. The other definition for spiritual partners is, and I love this one, they are intimate vehicles for creating authentic power intimate vehicles coming together to co-create authentic power. So I'll throw it back to you, Claudia. Anything else you want to start here by defining what a spiritual partnership is? Well, um, you might do better at that because it's been a while since I, I read Gary's book, but, but it is, as you know, really the deep guide um, in, in my life. <laughs> I've read so many books and theories on relationship. And he describes the one I'm interested in living personally. So it speaks to me. And what what I carry through my own interpretation. So Gary, if you're listening, <laughs> here's how here's how I twisted that. Um, and he and he will be listening because this podcast there, is so it gets out there. So yeah, keep going. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Gary. Um it's it's the idea as you described these two gardeners that you are really here to plant your garden, not your partner's garden, your own. And everything that goes with that. So there's the nurturing of the soil, there's, there's the feeding it, there's the water, there's the, the, the growing of it, there's the dying of it and the having to bring it back. There is an entire element if you expect that your partner is going to come in and do that work for you, we really get into some murky waters because then we have expectations. You're not working as hard on my garden as, as I am. That's not the way I want the garden to look. <laughs> when we first started dating, we both wanted the same things in the garden. Now I want pumpkins and you want squash. Well, wait a minute wait a minute, right? In psychology, we've got a nasty little label for that called codependent relationship. And it really keeps our destiny, I believe, 
from evolving in the way that it should. It twists us, it tangles us into a place of stuckness. I want you to want what I want. And in the beginning, that's part of the mating ritual. So let me clarify this for people. Part of the reason when we first meet, there's a huge amount of excitement. All of neuroscience is out there telling us about all of the neurochemicals going off. That's wonderful. But it's also biological. We have to find the commonalities in order to develop attraction. And that's a beautiful thing. But we have not glamorized or romanticized through our stories and our films that it is incredibly romantic to then realize you didn't like vanilla so much. You're more of a chocolate fan and I'm more of a vanilla fan. And how hot is that? Because now I get to grow stretch because now you are in your authentic power. You are telling me exactly who you are. I have to come from that deepest part inside myself and figure out, wait a minute, I loved you when I met you. What happened to that? Now let me love into that because it means that when you wake me up, I have to deeply love myself with strength because now I cannot tolerate your difference. I can love your difference. Yeah. That's all power. And that's, I love it. That's the, I think the first step here to, to differentiate uh, I don't know what you would call, but let's say let's say a non-spiritual partnership or an old-fashioned partnership, and this new paradigm is the shifting from that my partner did this to me to my partner is on their own spiritual journey that we're walking with together individually on our own spiritual journey, and their actions are letting me see my own shadows that I can then walk into, and I want to add another little definition here for people that are learning, starting to learn to distinguish here between maybe this old and Gary in the book defines it as a relationship that's based off the old five senses, the, the human five senses and a spiritual partnership, which is based on multi-sensory awareness, right? When we start to have intuition and bringing in our clear senses, right? So an old old partnership based off the based off our human five senses would be connected to a partnership that is and this is so key here a partnership that is circling around safety security and survival right so if the that partnership's main role is to support that for you it's an old type of partnership and then we shift into a spiritual partnership where we move beyond that because we know from a spiritual lens, safety, security, safety, security, and support. No one gives us that. Our partner isn't responsible for that. That is our role. That is our fulfillment. That is our need to met, need to meet. So we shift into a multi-sensory spiritual partnership, and this is defined as not just co-creating authentic power as you just talked about, but living a life the heart wants to live. So. Anything you want to add to that, Claudia, that I missed? Um, no, I think what you said is is really apropos. It's it's in in simple terms the difference between I need you and I want to grow with you. So oftentimes our mm. fear comes out of loneliness, and that I want to normalize for people. Yeah. 
you feel judged by friends because someone has said to you, you don't know how to be alone. Please stop this narrative. We weren't meant to be alone. It's good to know how to be alone, especially in this world, in this culture where we are extremely isolated. We are not living in the communities that we hear of in our past. That said, that said, it it doesn't mean that we are that it's that it's wrong to want to be alone or that it's wrong to be afraid to be alone. The idea is to be able to garner relationships that help you to find your growth. And when we talk about multidimensionality, that means that you can honor someone's spiritual path or their path. So let me give you a real life example. In my life, um, and Harrison, you know this, I have a very deep spiritual life and it's uh, compounded by many different things, whether it's my meditation or the yoga or uh, my readings or whatever it is, because it's embedded in so many aspects of my life. My husband does not necessarily need to sit and do sound healing bowls as often as I do or sit with me when I do them. His journey can look entirely different from mine, but I will tell you, he will pull out a guitar and he might be there for three hours and he is in spirit. He is mm. in that connected loving zone that when he comes out of that, I can feel it. It's yeah. palpable. Yeah. But You're in it together. I'm, right. But I'm not expecting him to sit in an hour and 15 minutes of my yoga practice and then my meditation practice any more than he's expecting me to take guitar lessons, you know, or sing along. It's really honoring these different ways, but we are consciously invested. I will say at the end of it, we are consciously invested in our own personal growth in order to co-create and have a partnership that really is coming from each of us owning our authentic power. So beautiful. This segues onto another point here I want to hit on. I just want to, I just want to love on all the people adding into the chat. Rose, Josephine, Darlene, thank you for your love that's coming through. Sarah just shared, going through the journey of overcoming codependency in my relationship is what triggered my spiritual awakening. And as we're saying today, right, not a coincidence for that, Sarah. Thank you for adding that in. I want to segue into what you were just saying about choosing, choosing, choosing our roles, right? This is another characteristic, another symptom, Gary talks about it in the book, of a spiritual partnership that I want to pick your pick your beautiful heart around. And what I mean here by choosing the roles, another way that you could describe this is choosing the current masks, personas, or ar archetypes that are being asked of you along your spiritual path that need to be embodied, right? And this is very different. I just want to share the contrast to this of a of a uh, an old world of relationship that I've often catch myself in. We're often unconsciously picking those roles, right? We're unconsciously falling into the victim. We're unconsciously falling into the martyr. We're unconsciously falling into the savior to the so I, the one that I fall into all the time is the teacher and the the coach, the healer, right? So 
maybe speak to this a bit more, Claudia. What is the power of within a spiritual partnership together consciously, not just being aware of the roles that you need in any given moment, but stepping into them together? Oh, I love this. I love this so much. Let me start by saying that um, in my book, I talk about spiritual love. And for me, spiritual love is loving freely. Freely, not just unconditionally. So in my past relationships, early on in my life, I would choose partners uh, who were the very quintessential male archetype uh, that I was sold right through storybooks and films and such. For me, um, I have a very independent personality, a strong personality, if you will. Um, and I would pick men that were dominant, total alpha male. Uh, you are in charge, protector, call the shots. Um, really treat me like what felt protected, right? And a lot of women say, you know, treat treated like a queen. Um, but I'm not sure <laughs> that for me, since, since, since I'm such a dominant personality, that's really what a queen, what a queen is. Uh, by the time I uh, took the traditional path of marriage, and that's a whole nother conversation we can have another time, um, I had done a lot of my work and I had already been through graduate school, studied psychology and really done a lot of my spiritual work. So when we get to know ourselves and create an independent relationship of love with ourselves, we then have a choice to choose very authentically from the heart, a partner that will allow us to be all of who we are mm. and grow within it. Mm. So I really ended up not marrying mm. an alpha male. Mm. And, and that's really fascinating because it was a pattern. So when people tell you out there, whatever, you know, work you, you do and you leave your partner, you're going to have to redo again in the next one. No, if you do the loving work with yourself, you can choose a partner that will help you step into a spiritual partnership. Yeah. Yeah, so lots of goosebumps here today, Claudia. I just want to, Tina popped in. Tina says, I'm so grateful to be here with you in this live right now. This subject is spot on for me today. No coincidence. Thank you, Harrison and Claudia. You're welcome. And I agree. This is this was aligned with my heart today. And I just want to pull out what you said, Claudia, of aligning with a partner that allows you to be all of what you are. And ultimately, to do that, as you defined in your journey, we need to first do that for ourselves. We need to be unlock the unconditional love that we already are, but unlock that state of, I would call it love frequency. I use the affirmation, I am all that I am, right? The affirmation saying, I love all that I am. So if you're coming from that place, then now a partner attracts into your field that is going to see that in you. Right? No matter the mask, no matter the archetype, no matter the persona, that ideally in a spiritual partnership, you are consciously choosing, right? that you are moving through. They see the presence of love that you are beyond those masks. Right? Was, is that accurate, Claudia, from your experience? I think that's, I, I wish my husband 
would be in here to hear what you just said because he would be laughing because he knows what all my masks are. And and he he sees right through them. So he's always got a chuckle going on. And I've never felt like he's actually laughing at me. I'll tease him. I'm like, you're laughing at me again. And he's not laughing at me. He's chuckling because he sees through those masks and, yeah. and loves through them. The essence, the core of who I am, no matter which mask I've got on. And I will say that the life lessons so far, because I know there are more to come, but the life lesson so far has been that because of that free love, I have gotten to evolve in many ways. I've had many different career transitions. I've worn many masks. Hmm. And I am really devoted to allowing when the doors open in my life to walking through them and seeing what's next for me. And it's absolutely scary because that's where heartbreak lies. If I take the risk, it's not just in romance, it's in the love I set up for myself. If I set that love up in protection and security and I'm going to be okay and I need to know that with certainty, that I'm never going to grow. So I get really scared because I'm superhuman and that's my nature and I get all wired up and I have to call Harrison and say, all right, help me get on this plane because I'm super anxious. Lucy, send me love. I need guidance. I go to my support system. But what I do is I continue to walk through those doors and maybe next month I'm writing another book or maybe I'm writing one with you or maybe I'm no longer going to be a therapist and I'm going to be a painter. The thing about the partnership is he signed up for all of it. So he doesn't get to say, whoa, wait a minute. I thought I married a publicist. How did she turn into a who's now a yogi? So he gets to chuckle through all of that and lovingly witness as I plant and sow my garden and love me, not any way, love me wholly through it in him. It brings up another component of spiritual partnerships. And let's say that he doesn't do that. Let's say that in that, in that shift that Claudia makes in her lifestyle, she puts on a new mask. And, and this is for everyone listening, right? This is just an example to highlight what another component of spiritual partnerships is. Let's say Claudia plans an amazing retreat in Bali with Harrison. And that experience triggers in him, let's just use any, any example here, a wound of jealousy or a wound of rejection or a wound of abandonment. One of the other components of a spiritual partnership is speaking the secret and sharing the shadows, right? So not holding that shadow in, not pushing it away, and not even just you taking it and doing your own work, but within the spiritual partnership, feeling confident enough and maybe let's say loving enough and free enough within the co-creation of the authentic power to speak the shadow, to speak the secret, 
What is the significance of this, Gloria? So interesting. Um, you know, when I'm doing couples counseling, uh, I didn't remember that uh, from the book, but when I'm doing couples counseling, I talk a lot about truth and unveiling the robes that you're wearing in order to actually say that which you are not saying to your partner. We think that we're speaking in full truth to our partners, but we're actually not. We tend to give a message and we're curving it in order to avoid conflict, in order to not hurt them, in order to look like our best selves, all of these things. And it's not always happening consciously. So yesterday, uh, my husband and I had stepped out lunch and um, he wanted to, oh, he had a guitar lesson. He wanted me to go with him to his guitar lesson, but I wanted to traipse around little India and explore as I do. So I don't remember exactly what he said to me, but I knew there was a, a message that was different from what he was saying. So I had to practice that thing, which, which I practice with couples when they're in therapy with me, which is I had to say, what is the truth about what mm. you want and what you're saying? Mm. I think you're really afraid we're going to get in a fight if you actually say it. So I heard it. Now I have to contain myself because I've I've opened the door, you see. And now I've said, speak your truth. If I bite back, which is what we do as couples, we're like, tell me the truth, tell me the truth. And then we get angry about it. Yeah. Um, you become and, your shadow you, in that moment. You become your shadow. Right. Your reaction. That's, that's the dynamic. That's the yeah. way relationships work. And instead, he was able to tell me exactly what he was saying and why he wasn't saying it. And um, to answer your question, he went on to his lesson and I did stay in Little India. <laughs> and I heard him very clearly. And there are times when that would have gone the other way. But the important thing was that we spoke. It was spoken. Such a yeah, it was spoken in such a truthful way that then we could accept the truth of what we were wanting. And guess what? When I came home, loving space, yeah. there was nothing that was shoved under the rug or held out. Loving space. Yeah. I think I think one of the biggest lessons I want people to take away from with this discussion, and this is what Claudia is highlighting, is... This applies to your own self-work in general, but within a spiritual partnership, let's extend it to the dance between two people. Whenever a painful aspect of self is triggered by the relationship and it comes up in its pain, anger, sadness, judgment, guilt, rejection, abandonment, all the things, we ultimately have two choices that we can make, right? We can either make a choice from that pain, i.e. project, blame, shame, based off what the shadow is saying, or, and again, if people have been following the show, you know what I'm going to say, we can ask ourselves the question, what would love do? What would love do in this situation? And in that moment that we make that choice from love, we are helping to alchemize, not just the shadow within us, but when we show up in that love, and I'm sure you've experienced this, Claudia, I've experienced this, when we show up in that love, we also show an example of what is possible for them, right? We say, oh, if my partner is doing it this way, I can feel the love. She hasn't, she didn't react. She didn't, wasn't triggered. There's a model. There's a reference point. Do you agree, Claudia, with this? 
Oh, I agree deeply. <laughs> I want to say to, to everyone out there, um, I screw it up all the time. Um, I definitely don't want to give people the idea that because uh, I've devoted a life to this kind of relationship learning um, that it's perfect every time. My my shadow creeps all the time. I say things that I don't mean um, and I have to retract them. The, the deal is when you're working on self-awareness from what would love do, which is the best term ever, which I learned from you, Harrison. When I go to that place, I have a couple of things that need to happen. I need to take responsibility. Responsibility for not only what I said, but now the way that I'm feeling about myself. So we act out in anger and righteousness in order to avoid feeling like crap about ourselves Mm. for the way that we reacted or overreacted. So I actually, in the midst of taking ownership, have to be loving to myself and say, it's okay, Claudia, you were hurt, you're scared, you're, you're feeling rejected, you're worried, whatever the feeling is. And it's not just, I'm sorry, it is full ownership for the way in which I showed up. When yeah. people say you create the reality that's actually what it really means. Yeah. It means that if you are not projecting from a place that is forgiving and loving to yourself, then what you're projecting outward is mirrored back. Yeah. That's what creating is. Yeah. My one of my favorite illusions to break in reference to that is, and I share this all the time on the show. When people say, I'm not a creative person, that person over there, they're creative. Look at all their creativity. They created a beautiful relationship or they have creative expression, but I don't have, I'm not a creative person. And I like to test it. And by saying you're creative, you're just creating a reality that is not serving you. You're just creating a reality full of limitations. You're just creating a reality in which you're attracting in the things in your life that you don't want. So how about we harness that creation energy and actually create something you do want, something you do deserve. I I want to swerve here a little bit, Claudia, and ask you a pretty deep question that I don't expect you to know because it's just, it's just a Harrison deepness question. And, and it's one of the things that just happens in my head, but I think it could bring a lot of value to people listening. One of one of the uh, learnings that I got out of this recent experience that prompted this conversation and the topic of heartbreak and spiritual partnerships was a, a few moments of reflecting on this feeling I had that initially I thought was codependency. And what I mean by that was uh, this person coming into my life and then this desire moving in th- in me for me wanting more of that person in my life. And due to past relationships, I automatically went to, oh, this must be, there's a part of me that needs to be filling, needs to be filled. And I just want that person there. Otherwise I can't be happy, right? Common codependency characteristics. But then I tested it a little bit more and I checked in with myself and a voice came back. And a feeling came back of, well, no, I feel pretty complete in this moment. 
but there's this extra desire on top of still wanting that person here, still wanting all of that person, as you said before, in all of their allness, their lovingness, their essence, and just wanting it because it adds an extra uniqueness to my life. So one, I hope that's understandable the way that I described it. And if it is, Claudia, how can individuals learn to distinguish between these two very similar, seemingly similar feelings of one being codependency, I, I need this person, otherwise I'm not enough, versus I want this person in my life because I am whole, I am complete, but their uniqueness adds something more to my life. Um, okay. And let me think through this question <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's a big one. Um, yeah. I distinguish between codependency and in essence, just readiness, uh, to just love wholly and fully in all of it, ready for that, that big love adventure. Yeah. So in, in codependency, we're looking for someone to really depend on in order to feel whole about ourselves or good about ourselves or safe, whatever it is that we're working out that we want about ourselves. And that's the check-in. You did it perfectly. You go in and you say, is that what I was looking for? Is that what I was looking for? That doesn't mean that the person that you were looking at had what you wanted them to offer, but you're only in this first stage looking at yourself. Is that what they were looking for? And then if your answer is yes, there is more self-love, there is more work to do, there is more to enter into needing you being there for you, being present, becoming your companion, your best friend, your mother, your father, becoming all of that, your teacher, your mentor, your guru to your heart. Mm. But I know you, Harrison, and I know your essence. My heart knows your heart so truly that it says, if you've checked in, and what you're saying is, I am ready for love. And that's what I listen to as your friend, as a mm. therapist, as whatever. I, that's all my heart can hear is I'm ready for big love. Mm. And I trust that because the only thing I can say that's helpful is that doesn't mean I'm ready for perfect love. It just means I'm ready for big love yeah. because love brings, like I said, all of the human embodiment. So you're going to play all the shit out anyway. It's going to happen, but I'm ready for big love. So bring it on. Break my heart. Let my heart be broken so that I can be open. Yeah. First of all, thank you for that beautiful reflection, Claudia. And it, I did an episode of the show for people tuning in in the Facebook group. I think it was a few days ago. I talked about connecting back into your enoughness, why you are enough. And actually for people watching live, if you've just tuned in, uh, you can, it's, this episode came out today in the podcast feed, so you can tune in and listen. And one of the things in the episode I talked about, I shared the two Rumi quotes of, you have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. And the wound is where the light enters you. 
And it's exactly what you're saying, right? It's exactly, it's showing, you spoke about this at the start of the chat, the unique essence of love that you are, the presence of love that you are in its unique embodiment is here to be in that love play. And that love play includes the quote-unquote brokenness, the woundedness, the painfulness, and all of the lessons that come with it. Which brings me to one of my last questions here for you, Claudia, in relation to spiritual partnerships. A, another lesson, it's been a week of lessons for me, to be honest. It's been, a, it's been like four days, but it feels like a month. Another, another lesson that's come through is the role of karma in spiritual partnerships. And specifically what I mean is re reoccurring un unbalanced energy that we have, have created, in this case, in a relationship dynamic that now comes back around as the same energy but with a different face, i.e. a different partner, for you to learn. So just to be completely authentic and raw and vulnerable for me, it was a lesson of abandonment and rejection. But instead of, instead of me being abandoned and rejected, it was me doing that to someone else. And I noticed a very direct link to you know, my own experience of it. So the question here, just to summarize, Claudia, is, what is the role of seeing and more specifically balancing karmic lessons within spiritual partnerships? Um, boy, this, this is a, a big one because we do know that you described it just so, so perfectly that I can't duplicate it, but we do repeat throughout different partners, the same lessons, if we haven't learned them the first time or resolved them the first time around, that's what in psychology we refer to as unfinished business. So whatever business you didn't finish with one partner, you will take over to the next relationship, no matter how much more evolved that partner is. Um, that's, that's one aspect of it. In terms of karma, right? Because we can apply that is, did we enter this lifetime, this embodiment in order to uh, resolve that karma or, or to take in those lessons? And there's so many different interpretations out there. I believe we're here to grow. And I believe we're here to grow through our hearts, through a, a, our love space. So when we find ourselves asking that question, the important thing to know is, what is that lesson? Pick a partner. <laughs> mm, yeah. Pick the best one that you can pick because the karma is yours. Yeah. And you're going to have to work it out when you've brought them into your karma. It is in it is to work that lesson out. So it can be the best partner. It's going to show up. Yeah. Until, and 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 I can tell you this. It's going to. Um. <laughs> It just is. It's gonna come. I, it's there. It's happening. Yeah, it is. It is. But but the thing about it is, is we tend to judge it. Yeah, so let that's, me this. that's the that's the sorry, I need to jump in here, Claudia. That's the big thing, right? We judge it as a as we are holding all of this bad as into until we do 
release the karma. We are this bad thing, right? We are this yes. holding on to this backpack of quote unquote evil choices that we've made in, in either this life, or if you want to keep going back past lives. And until we balance the, that karma or until we write the deed or wrong the right, right the wrong, then we're not worthy. We're not worthy of love. We're not, we're unlovable. We're broken. We're all the things. So we, how do we move through this? What were you going to say? That's exactly what I'm referring to, which is that we go into a place of judgment and, and guilt with ourselves. Why me? Why do I have to keep hurting? Why do I have to keep getting into this space or, or I'm a good person and I bring in these people who are really hurtful and it's a valuable question to ask the why and you can glean some beautiful analytical answers. But what do you do with the analysis, which is your question, Harrison, how do we move through it? Whatever you are seeking from that partner, that deep security, if it's abandonment, that I will never leave you. Let's talk about abandonment for one second because it's here and it's in our it's it's in our presence. I will never leave you. I will always love you. That is the way through. It means I'm going to let you cry. I'm going to let you feel the guilt and the shame and the blame. And I'm going to let you feel all of it. But I will never leave you. And I will always love you. And I will always come back to you. And I will always be there for you. Because I am you. I am love. A month ago, two months ago, <laughs> two months ago now, you uh, recorded a beautiful meditation for me, centered around the Honoponopono prayer. And that prayer, for anyone that hasn't looked into it, all the listeners tuning in, is a beautiful practice to do exactly what Claudia was just saying, to apply that not just forgiveness, but that unconditional love with the nurturing frequency needed to, to meet the need to meet the need that the abandonment is being triggered from, to meet the need that the rejection wound is being triggered from. And it's not, I think this is another illusion before we get to the last question here, Claudia, is it's not meant to be quick, right? It's not meant to be a, oh, I put the Band-Aid on, I did the prayer, I did the meditation, I did the chanting, and now I'm good. Now that, that karmic imbalance, that shadow, that inner child wound, it's done. I've gotten through it. There's time needed, right? There's, 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 there's showing up for that wound. There's embodiment of the lesson. I think this is just coming up and I want to get your reflection on this, Claudia. Embodiment, not just of the light that you're bringing in to heal the shadow, right? In this case, the, the, let's use the rejection or abandonment wound, embodying the light, the forgiveness, the love, the acceptance, but also embodying the lesson that the shadow brings, right? Because these, this shadow or the karmic imbalance, it's not just neutral, right? It, it happened because there was a lesson that you weren't seeing, or there was a piece of education that you hadn't acknowledged or you hadn't embodied. So it's also time in that fact, right? It's embodying what the shadow has within it. Do you, do you agree with that, Gloria? Embodying what the shadow has within it. So 
so the, the teaching. The term, yes. The term that I use um, is awakening. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, this, my website is the awakened journey, right? Because, because I think that it is a journey of awakening and falling back asleep and awakening and falling back asleep. So yes, the idea eventually would be so lovely to be in that incredibly awakened, enlightened state. But I'm not sure that that's what this human journey is meant to be, that there's something to achieve that will allow us to hold Hmm. that light and that lesson in its entirety. I'm not sure. I think it plays out differently for some people because some people say, oh, I learned my lesson and the karma's resolved. Am I going to die now? So I don't want, to, right? That's what happens, right? So I don't want people to think, no, 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 the lessons never end. There's more coming. Um, you know, that's another interpretation. You're here to love more. Yeah. To love deeper. Let the lessons in because they allow that. And yes, to answer directly your question, do I believe that they are about time? Let me say this, they are timeless. Mm -hmm. They are timeless. There are lessons and lessons and lessons, awakenings and awakenings and awakenings because- That's the game. That's (laughs) the game. They are the ones keep us in In the the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> when we have trouble with the game, we can look for the attachment or the expectation we have to the game finishing, right? What do we think we're going to get when we get to that place of all the lessons complete? What do we think we're going to be once we, quote unquote, get through all of the shadows or get through all of the pain, right? That's, you know, something I've been moving through as well when I'm, all this has been coming up in me is, you know, there's nothing, yes, I can be in pain, but I can also be happy and connected and in that love presence now also, right? It's not a or conversation, it's an and. And as soon as I project my expectation of worth into some future event that doesn't exist, that's the next step I need to take, right? That's the next step I need to work on why I'm doing that. Claudia, I have one last question to wrap up this conversation and i and there's been so many comments beautiful shares in the chat thank you on facebook and linkedin and youtube for adding in your love darlene and sarah and and all the people joining us today i hope it's brought you value and guidance the last last question i want to throw at you is around something gary talks about in the book that i wasn't sure i agreed with and i want to get your interpretation of this and he was talking about soulmates, this idea of having a soulmate, one soulmate. And you talked about this at the start, right? And I said I'd come back to it. This is me coming back to it. And he says a spiritual partnership, in a spiritual part in a spiritual partnership, people don't ask, is this my is this my soulmate? How will I know? They remind themselves, this is my soulmate. How will I relate? So I'm wondering, Claudia, what does that bring up in you? And what what are your thoughts on this one soulmate perspective? 
Yeah, I don't know if he means that there's one soulmate. I, I, I'm not sure about that, but but I know that what he's saying is what we were talking about earlier, that when your partner shows up with their, what my husband calls their flat sides, he says, we all have flat sides, Claudia. He reminds me all the time because, you know, I'm achieving enlightenment and perfection here. Oh, he says, he says, um, it's our job to relate to that. And, and I really believe that that's how we do our karmic soul work, our spiritual work. That if we can relate, it means we step outside of ourselves and see our partners wholly through a lens of relating to their feelings, their experience. That is, we talk about things like empathy and validation, you know, and all of those compassion. That is what I think he's referring to. And, and it's the most selfless love that gives us the deepest amount of growth in our partnership. When I am really pissed off and indignant about my point of view and the fact that it is just not being seen and I have to just rein it in and say, okay, show me you, show me, show me where it hurts. Show me where you're angry. Show me what you mean. And I literally have to shelf my stuff aside so that I can see my partner wholly. Holy cow. It is incredible Different. how much of that thought I had to address. I yeah. didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. As always, Claudia. Uh, yeah, it does. As always, Claudia, our hearts are aligned. You know, when I read that sentence, people don't ask in spiritual partnerships, is this my soulmate? They remind themselves, how do I relate to them? This is my soulmate. How do I relate? It's really the difference between you know, if we're asking, is this my soulmate, no matter what's going on, I, I know that I've asked that question in moments of challenge, of triggers, of of wounds. It that that is me trying to put them in a box of what I expect them to look like. Right. I, you know, I'll be the first to put up my hand saying, you know, I have certain criteria and values that I adhere to that I hope that someone coming into my world will have. So I'll use my mind and go to mm, maybe they're not the one or the perfect element but then when you look at this is my soulmate this person in all that they are is perfect in every aspect including their shadows that are triggering me in this moment we ask ourselves yes this is them but how am i showing up how am i stepping in with my love to work on the things that are obviously moving inside of me based off their unique choices based off their choices they're making from their state of awareness. If I can add something to that. Please. Really important for especially your audience. We are talking about a spiritual partnership. So I want to address the aspect of spirituality. Not everyone out there listening is interested in a relationship that includes because I'm going to extend his definition and use our spiritual world that includes spirituality. I, I want to say that that partner that you choose must be aligned in your value system. So it doesn't mean that whoever you choose is your soulmate and you have to work it out with them and it's all on you and it's your karma and it's your shit to work out. That's not what I mean. <laughs> what I really mean is Yes, you have to be selective about that partner. There are going to be lessons no matter what. 
you do want to do most of your work so that you choose that partner with the highest level of of awareness that you can bring to it. But more than the awareness, the highest level of open heart that is aligned with that awareness. So what does it require to be spiritual? It really requires that your value system around how you define spirituality Mm -hmm. is aligned. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I address spirituality very differently, but I would say he's somebody who's incredibly not only open, but practicing in my spiritual world. Mm -hmm. So I, yes, I'm a, I love Ho'oponopono and it's a beautiful method that I use for reconciliation and connecting in my life. He is also very aligned with that. So this isn't a partner who thinks like Claudia's the, you know, the crazy crystal lady and, you know, I'm kind of the rocker business guy that might not make for the best match, right? There has to be a place where we do bridge uh, our spiritual world. For me, spiritual growth is a very important part of my value system. So when we're talking about a spiritual partnership, in my definition, make sure that you choose a partner that does not reject that value system, but is in interested in having life. Yes. Growing in that spiritual partnership with you. Yeah. And that growing, that was beautiful, Claudia. Thank you for sharing that example. That growing, that co-creating growing, right? Going back to the analogy we gave of the the two plants in the the two gardening areas, co-creating in the gardening areas, they're coming together, right? They're connected, right? They have their own individual characteristics that have shared soil or shared timber or shared potential seeds growing in your own unique ways and, and co-creating something more, right? So, Claudia, I could talk about this all day with you and we do. We just don't record it, but I'm very happy that you've come on the show today to share this beautiful work that you do in the world and your insights and your love with not just me, but all the beautiful people joining in live and on the podcast. I want to give you a bit of space. Is there any other final words or feelings on your heart today in regards to these topics of heartbreak and spiritual partnership you want to share? Mm. Thank you very much um, for inviting me to this very intimate conversation. For me, and you know this, um, these are the conversations that matter. When we're speaking about our hearts, to me, we're speaking about life and truth. And to everybody listening, I do have a message. Whatever pain you've lived, whatever suffering you are in, whatever heartache you carry, It's really easy for us to sit here and say to you, that is your wealth. That is the richness. What I want to say is I send you the energy of loving awareness and wellness, knowing that we are here to heal that and knowing that it can feel like a very hard and lonely path, even when we have others to talk to about it. It is a path of time. It is a path of trust and it is a path of love. So from my heart to all of those of you who shared in this time and space of what I hope 
was pure love. I just want to say thank you. And to you, Harrison, my life is forever blessed. Um, you know, I, I, Gary can't be talking about one soulmate because you are indeed one of my soulmates in this lifetime. And uh, the karma of those lessons is something that I hold deep gratitude and deep love for every day. Received, Claudia. I love you very much. And it's funny that you brought up uh, our friendship dynamic because I think it could be easily, I was, I was setting it in the context today of romantic love, but just to be clear, spiritual partnership isn't just, you know, between two romantic partners, spiritual partnership can be between you and children. Spiritual partnership can be between you and two friends. So I was feeling into that last night, Claudia, as I was finishing off the book for this episode, you know, very much, I feel the same way. And I'm excited for the things that we will co-create in the future together in our spiritual journey. So for everyone tuning in, thank you for your attention today. Thank you for your love. I'd highly, highly recommend you please check out Claudia's work. Go to her website. You can see it, theawakenedjourney.com. I'd also recommend you head over to Amazon, pick up her amazing book, The Seven Destinies of Love. If this has got you activated today, that book will keep the activation going. But until next time here on the podcast, Claudia and I send you so much love, so much light. And with all of the enlightened, loving consciousness in the world, we'll see you again very soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Love Antenna with me, your host, Harrison. If you gain value or this episode hit your heart, please remember to share this out with a friend, a family member, or a lover. You can also leave your love over on Apple Reviews and Spotify Star Feedback, and this helps me spread my frequency to more souls in need. Finally, if you want to connect with me deeper, want to reach out, interested in coaching, please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Harrison Ma, Ma spelled M-E-A-G-H-E-R. Sending you so much love. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.